Our text is in James, James chapter 4, and it's only one verse. James 4, verse 8, draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for the gift of your word, and we pray that your Holy Spirit would apply it to our hearts, to our minds, to our spirits, that it would bear fruit in our lives. We give you thanks now for your kindness to us, for your mercy upon us. In Christ's name, amen. Draw near to God. It's uh, obviously more than a physical action when you think draw near to someone you think physically, I think, just naturally. And yet we know that God is everywhere. And so how can you draw near to God when he's all around us? In uh, Acts 17, Luke records Paul as saying that in him we live and move and have our being. And so how do you draw closer to a God who's everywhere? So obviously, it's metaphorical. It's referring to us as drawing near to him in spirit, near to him in thinking. And so we are here to celebrate communion. This is the communion meditation. And so communion has two very popular common definitions. The first is the sharing of intimate thoughts and feelings especially when the exchange is on a spiritual level. And the second is the service of Christian worship at which bread and wine are consecrated and shared. And so, for once, the biblical definition of communion and the, uh, the societal definition in dictionaries agree with one another. These pretty much describe communion really well. And so, both are employed here. Now, we are celebrating this, the breaking of bread, the drinking of wine in commemoration of Christ's death, his sacrifice on our behalf. Yet, that is what's physically going on, yet underneath it, there is this deeper, intimate communion that is at work. That's why this means nothing apart from that intimate relationship with God. There are people partaking of this all around the world today that are not going to benefit from it because they don't know God. They're going through this as just a process, as just a ritual, and yet they don't know the Lord. Draw near to God, and then what's next? And he will draw near to you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Now, we know God saves. We have nothing to do with it. And yet, here we are being told, draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. So, we are put in the position of being the initiator in this relationship, in this intimate relationship that we all want to have with God. James encourages us to draw near to God. And so, what is the presumption that we have to accept? That we're not as close as we ought to be that we are not as close as we want to be. Now, do you enjoy a spiritual intimacy with God? 
That's really what's at stake here. That's what's implied. James is saying you ought to. You ought to aspire to a deeper intimacy with God. So are you near him? Are you close to him? And so when I get up here and speak, just as uh, Phil during the introduction to worship, um, I preach to myself a lot when I put together messages. And so I want what it is I'm sharing. Just because I'm saying it doesn't mean I have it. Now, draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. So the question then is, why? Why aren't we as close as we want to be? And it's right there in the verse. That's why we only need to read this one verse. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify you hearts, you double-minded. So James mentions two things that really cover everything. Cleanse your hands, you sinners. So see, we like to think of ourselves as saints, and yet we know that we are still sinners. We do both. We want to live holy to God. We love the Lord. We want to be his faithful children, and yet often we're not. Often we misbehave. And so we are still sinners. Cleanse yourselves. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. So see, it's hands, that which we do, and it's our hearts, which is indicative of our minds. It's all of us. It's our spirits, our wills. So that is getting us at our desires, at our thoughts. Are we regulating the behavior of our hands? Are we regulating our actions in accordance with God's word? Are we regulating our minds, our thoughts, our desires? Are they in accord with God's word? So see, though we know and love God, we can so easily go astray. And yet, we must, we must seek the Lord. Now, I want to go back to Acts 17. I gave that quote from Acts 17, in him we live and move and have our being. I want to read the context there. And so let me start reading at verse 22. Then Paul stood in the midst of the Areopagus and said, Men of Athens, I perceive that in all things you are very religious. For as I was passing through and considering the objects of your worship, I even found an altar with this inscription, to the unknown God. Therefore, the one whom you worship without knowing, him I proclaim to you, God, who made the world and everything in it, since he is Lord of heaven and earth, does not dwell in temples made with hands, nor is he worshipped with men's hands as though he needed anything, since he gives to all life, breath, and all things. And he has made from one blood every nation of men to dwell on all the face of the earth and has determined their pre-appointed times and the boundaries of their dwellings so that they should seek the Lord in the hope that they might grope for him and find him, though he is not far from each one of us. For in him we live and move and have our being. What's interesting here is that the initiative that Paul is commanding these listeners, he's putting the initiative on them. Listen to what he said. 
He has made from one blood every nation of men and set their pre-appointed times in the boundaries of their dwellings so that they should seek the Lord in the hope that they might grope for him and find him. And then we know that God does allow himself to be found. Those who come to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. So see, though God saves, he wants everyone seeking him. The unbelievers and the believers. We all must seek after God to then enjoy the intimacy with him that we want. So if we don't have the intimacy that we want as believers, then we're not seeking him as we ought. We're not cleansing our hands. We're not guiding our hearts and our minds in wanting God more than anything else on earth. God commands all men everywhere to seek him, believer and unbeliever alike. So as we come to this table, we reflect on the fact that God wants to have greater intimacy with us, but will we commit to that, seeking him, establishing new habits if bad ones now dominate our lives, having us do and think and want things that we ought not. Father, we thank you for your presence with us. We thank you for your mercy. It seems to be a theme in today's service. Lord, you are so kind to us. Uh, you extend your grace to us repeatedly. Your mercy is new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Father, we thank you for your presence with us. We thank you for the sacrifice of Christ on our behalf, which we not only commemorate in this celebration of the Lord's Supper, but we relive, that we experience that grace anew each time. We thank you, Father, for your love and for your constancy with us. In Christ's name we pray, amen.